This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. Montana homeowners have received about $137 million in the first round of tax rebates approved by the legislature earlier this year. 226,711 residential property owners received payments, according to Derek Bell, a division administrator for the Department of Revenue. That makes for an average of about $660. The department had previously estimated that 292,200 of the nearly 312,000 owner-occupied housing units in Montana would be eligible for the property tax rebates. The department noted in its estimate that mobile homes with a less than $10,000 assessed value are exempt from property taxes as are households enrolled in the Montana Disabled Veterans Program. The two declared candidates for Montana's U.S. Senate race have released results in the latest fundraising quarter. Republican challenger Tim Sheehy's campaign announced $2.8 million raised in its first quarter. Sheehy, a veteran and CEO of Bridger Aerospace, officially launched his campaign in late June, just before the third quarter of the year, which runs from July through September. Incumbent Democrat Senator John Tester's campaign on Tuesday announced it had raised more than $5 million in the same stretch. Sheehy wraps up the third quarter with $1.1 million cash on hand. Tester's camp says it has $13 million in cash on hand. More than a year after the U.S. Supreme Court decided states could set their own abortion laws, including bans, the nation's highest court now could cut off abortion access in states where abortion is still legal. That would include Montana. The Supreme Court began its new term this week and has yet to announce whether it will hear Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus U.S. Food and Drug Administration before the term ends next June. The case was designed by the religious right to overturn the approval of the commonly used abortion drug, mephisprostone. Quote, the restrictions that the Supreme Court could reimpose would drastically reduce access to mephisprostone and create barriers that are impossible to overcome for many patients who are seeking abortion care. That's according to Leah Koenig, the data analyst and medication abortion researcher at the University of California, San Francisco's Advanced New Standards for Reproductive Health. Alliance Defending Freedom, the Christian right legal powerhouse representing the plaintiffs, has asked the court to fully reverse the approval of the drug and to remove restrictions that were lifted over the course of two decades as the drug regimen maintained a high safety and efficacy record. Post-Roe medication abortion and especially telehealth medication abortion have improved access to abortion, especially for people living in states where it is banned or widely unavailable. That's according to Dr. Julie Ammon, the family medical physician and medical director of the nonprofit Just the Pill 
which launched in 2020. It connects patients with abortion via mail or mobile clinics in Montana, Colorado, Minnesota, and Wyoming. Dr. Ammon said demand from patients exploded by 400% after Roe v. Wade was reversed. She said they've seen more than 6,000 patients who have traveled from more than 34 states. A recent report says hydropower generation in the Northwest, including Montana, dropped 24% in the first half of 2023 compared to the same period last year, mainly because of a snowpack that melted more quickly and drought conditions, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration in a recent report. The drop in production could have been worse had it not been for California's historic snowpack, which helped generate 94% more power in the first half of the year than in 2022. The EIA last week dropped its forecast of U.S. hydropower generation by 6%, citing the drought in the Rocky Mountains and the Pacific Northwest and a forecast El Nino expected to strengthen this winter. The forecast estimates 2023 will see the lowest amount of hydropower generated nationwide since at least 2015. Quote, part of the Northwest, including the Columbia River Basin, have had increasingly severe drought conditions since June of 2023. That's EIA author Lindsay Amayo writing in the report. These conditions will limit water supply, which could limit hydropower generation in the future. The mountain region and Pacific region saw drops in power generation. The mountain region dropped 18% and the Pacific region 11%. Montana at 26% down. Idaho was 24.5% down. Oregon 26% down and Washington, 26.9%, all saw significant drops during the first seven months of the year. Most of Montana's utility-scale hydroelectric plants are in the Columbia River Basin west of the Continental Divide, and five of the state's ten largest power plants are hydroelectric. Northwestern Energy, Montana's largest electric utility, says about one-third of the electricity used by customers comes from hydroelectric power from its 11 hydroelectric facilities. The EIA says hydropower accounted for 38% of Montana's in-state net generation last year and about 70% of the electricity Montanans use in-state. The rest is sent primarily to Washington and Oregon. Three of the largest hydropower plants, Hungry Horse, Libby, and Shell's Kasanke Clips Dam, generated 37% of the hydroelectric power that comes from Montana. All three are in northwestern Montana, which is seen through the spring and summer. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor update, all of northwestern Montana is now experiencing severe drought, and most of Flathead County and parts of Lincoln and Sanders County are seeing extreme drought in the of the water year. 
The Kalispell area has seen more rain in recent weeks than it did for most of the summer, but still is three and a half inches short of normal precipitation for the year. The weather site at Libby Dam is down two and a half inches. The year-to-date data from the EIA show Montana generated 430,000 megawatt hours more in the second quarter of 2022 than in the second quarter of this year and 919,000 megawatts more in the first quarter of 2022 compared to the first quarter of this year. At a recent legislative audit committee meeting, lawmakers received a report that showed more than half of Montana's game, fish, and wildlife wardens feared retaliation and believed the culture of the department is bad, while state auditors found a lack of personnel records to check that out. In the audit report released last week, auditors found that since 2020, wardens described eroding trust between wardens and upper management centralized in Helena. And when auditors tried to examine the paperwork, most of it was missing or never completed. On Thursday, in front of lawmakers, Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Director Dustin Temple said that leadership is solely responsible for the toxic culture. And since his appointment earlier this summer, he said management and leadership have taken steps to identify the troubling aspects of the audit. Quote, the failure belongs to agency leadership and leadership alone. That's according to Temple. The whole is a series of bad decisions, said Temple. It's a failure of leadership, and today that leadership is me. Two union leaders, including the Fraternal Order of Game Wardens, President Dirk Paulson, said that since the audit, there's been a wholesale change. Another concern raised in the audit were various memoranda of understanding that the department had entered into with sheriff's department throughout the state. The report said that some of the seven regional offices had signed memoranda that deputized game wardens as sheriff's deputies. In the report, the department entered into those contracts as a means of expedited law enforcement. In many smaller or rural counties, sometimes wardens who come across violations of law not related to wildlife, example, driving under the influence, would also require a law enforcement officer to then be called. The department said having the wardens also sworn as peace officers could let them handle the situations without taxing the limited resources of rural counties. Temple told the Legislative Audit Committee that the FWP has decided to let those memoranda expire without renewing them as a means to help refocus the warden's work. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRTDB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide with listeners in now 52 U.S. states and Canadian provinces, three Native American nations in 31 countries on six continents. We also post expanded versions of our stories on Facebook. 
Made in Montana news is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.